What do you do when you're facing challenges to remember that God is all there is? How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Say Yes to Spirit. My name is Tracy. Leslie will be joining us in just a minute. I'm so happy that you decided to spend uh, a little bit of your time um, getting reminded. I was getting ready to say getting reconnected with spirit, but spirit is never disconnected from any one of us except by our own doing. So just being reminded that it is an individual choice. It is your free will to say yes to spirit or to make say yes to something that moves you further away from your direct connection and has you behaving in ways that no one would ever believe that you understood what it meant to say yes to spirit. But if you're listening to this show, then my guess is you have a very clear commitment to say yes to spirit in your life. And what we do on this show is we take the opportunity to talk about all the many, many unlimited ways that we can say yes to spirit and how that enriches our life. So every week we have a theme, and we simply use that theme as a uh, place to kind of round us in, right, kind of like guardrails on the highway, and um, and to give us a place to begin our conversation. And today our theme is Surrender. If you listen to our most recent show, then you know that this idea of doing a show with the theme being Surrender came directly out of our conversations um, last time, which was quite interesting because our theme was birthdays. So, um, you know, you would never suggest, you would never predict that a conversation about birthdays would lead into a conversation about surrender. But then that's why we have our segment near the top of the show called Connect the Dots, because Leslie just loves connecting the dots between our previous show and our topic and our current show topic. So when you hear the Connect the Dots theme music, you know it's time to connect the dots. This week, from birthdays to surrender. And that, that, that is a really good one. And if you didn't hear the show last week, it is an interesting one to try to connect those dots. But the way that I'm going to connect the dots is what I really, why I love connecting the dots so much, because we started talking about birthdays, and it led into a conversation about miracles, in a way, and then came surrender and when you look at again like Tracy was saying those three things maybe don't seem connected but when you're thinking in terms of saying yes to spirit and understanding the connection between all things and that things don't really exist in silos and I think the human condition tends to tell me well this is 
this is this thing and that's that thing and you know there's sort of a separation between the two things but the truth for me as I understand it is it's a fluid experience and everything is connected and if I try to categorize or create a certain box for a certain thing then I'm losing the spiritual link to all things and uh, I am really actually very excited about this conversation about surrender because I think that in some way is the ultimate thing that again allows for the connection of all things Wow, that sounds like a good little promo for surrender I agree it did so we're going to take a little break and um We'll be back in a minute to talk about surrender on Say Yes to Spirit. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit with Tracy and Leslie. So uh, that was a really great promo or intro to Surrender. Uh, Leslie, do you want to start in with (laughs) why I think it's uh, the ultimate uh, thing that runs all things? Uh, You know, in in, uh, thinking about uh, Surrender, I had a conversation with... uh, a person who is most my beloved in the world yesterday about that and the idea came up the opposite of surrender would seem to be resistance if you just think about the word surrendering the opposite of it would be resistance and if you think about you know kind of a classic science of mind statement what we resist persists the idea of you know that we are kind of creating what's happening around us but what happens when we surrender for me seems to be where I get my miracle I get my magic I get something and and that's why I'm really interested to have this conversation with Tracy Brown because um, you really have this uh, I think of a clearer picture of science of mind thinking and co-creation and, and understanding of how all of that works mechanically. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a mechanically that I may say, but you also have it spiritually. But, you know, there's a real mechanical sense to um, co-creation and new thought. And, um, and I think it absolutely is true. And then I have this counter 
counterintuitive thing, or not counterintuitive, but this other thing that I feel intuitively that, and, and, and Tracy will call it, you know, the big daddy in the sky kind of thing. You know, there's something, there's something out there that I believe absolutely is always actively working for my higher good, even if I'm not participating in it. And so through my surrendering, I can fall back into this, you know, what I call the jet stream of life or that green light day that I still think is my thing, Tracy Brown. But, you know, that, that it's something that 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 I can connect to when, only when I surrender. If I'm actively trying to co-create or if I'm in a more traditional uh, religion where I'm praying or I have a certain, you know, way to to experience my spirituality, that I'm still sort of boxed into something that keeps me maybe just right outside the jet stream, maybe moments in the jet stream, but not completely immersed in the jet stream. And it's only through this complete surrender that I can simply be and in the being, everything unfolds magically and perfectly, quote unquote magically. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. You want to talk about the big daddy in the sky that you don't believe in? (laughs) Um, Yes, it makes sense. And one of the things that makes this show so fabulous is that it's not, see, that, so, you know, I have this thing about diversity is divine design. It, you know, there's diversity by divine design, that no two of us are exactly alike by divine design, created by God in that way, on purpose. So it never concerns me, and actually I think it's one of the things that makes this show so fabulous that you know, it's like you're standing on different sides of the of the mountain, but the top of the mountain is the top of the mountain. So it's okay with me that you and I don't always see exactly the same thing because we're still seeing the same mountain. Um, and I I think you know I don't I think growing up I perceived surrender was being weak. But in, I mean, for a long time in my adult life, it's been real clear to me that it also it takes a lot of courage to surrender. It it's it's almost it almost takes more strength to surrender. Yes, yes, that's yes, yes. Thank you for saying that. That's right. That's right. It takes, and but it's seen as defeat, and it's seen as weakness. I think sometimes within our human mind. Well, you know, because we grow up and we hear stories. I mean, even in the story preschool storybooks, it seems like, or very young primary school, I mean, you know, what you hear about is you hear about fights and battles and wars and the the weak side, the side that lost was the side that they either got conquered or they surrendered and lost everything. And, you know, it's or surrender to, you know, even in fairy tales, it's like Cinderella had to surrender to the evil stepmother's, you know, 
demands upon her to clean and cook and she and criticize because she had no other option. Where else would she live? She's a little girl. She has to put up with it, so she has to surrender to it. It's like surrender has this cultural definition that is akin to weakness and uh, um, being conquered and not being well if you surrender you're you're giving you're giving control to something or someone else and um and you know it's it, i would say the only thing that shift that was a little off of that definition for me was again you know sometimes i don't realize just how much growing up black in the civil rights era you know, I know it's an important part of who I am, and sometimes I don't even realize how much. So the one place I got a different message about surrender was growing up in the church, that you didn't have to surrender to the unfair treatment, that that what you did need to do was surrender to God's will and to being a representative of of the example of Jesus. And so in that sense, you would surrender your human desire to fight back or to be engaged in battle knowing that you had made a deeper, stronger surrender to being Christ-like and knowing that that would pull you through no matter, you know, if they were releasing the dog or the hosing, you know, people down or threatening to bomb your church or whatever. It was like the surrender was not to man. The surrender was to spirit, Mm -hmm. to God, to Jesus, to... And so that was the only place where surrender had a positive spin on it. But, you know, it just, still, you're just bombarded with all these cultural definitions. And I think that's part of this, this real, and I really have been excited about this topic all week. Not that I'm not always excited, but um, the idea that I think you pull a couple of things is who am I surrendering to? And I think in my life, I think in my, in my, even in my relationship life, you know, I have surrendered to the wrong people in a way. And now I'm finding the magic in surrendering to, quote, unquote, the, the person that I was designed to surrender to and how that's different to give up. Oh, you should see her face. You should see her face. But um, that, 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 that there is, there is, Magic, I, you know, I keep coming back to that word magic because by definition we think of magic as something that can't be explained, and of course real magic is always explainable. But if you think of spiritual magic, that there's something that, you know, again, I just keep coming back to the idea of the jet stream, that, you know, it's got a, it's got a, a force or a direction or a, a, a will that if I can let go into that when it is, um, A, surrendering to... God or spirit or someone who has that same higher 
good in my interest, you know, because I do think we're all kind of God expressing, and and if we can hook into someone who has that sort of sincere, uh, divinely designed interest in us, that they can take us to places that we could never take ourselves, and that God has, you know, there's little nuggets of my, you know, that whole soul soup kind of idea that I have a sense of believing that there's, you know, there's people that we come in with that, you know, that that are here to encourage and help and work with us to get us into that state of the, you know, jet stream state. I should copyright that jet stream state. Um, but um, but it is it's a sticky wicket, and I think it is very. And, you know, when I talk to the women in the jail, a lot of times about, you know, sort of this conceptually, without this language, you know, there'll always be somebody that says, well, gosh, you know, I surrendered and, you know, I got in a domestic violence situation and he had control and I lost control and it was horrible. And and so so there is a very kind of sticky side to this idea because, no, I don't want to give over who I am to some other person because that would, you know, put me in danger and so it is a matter of, A, who are those people in my life who are purely there for me? And and then, like you were saying, beyond that, you know, how to surrender every day to, to, to my higher power, whoever that is identified in my life. And I think, you know, Oprah, Oprah, all things Oprah, you know, she, she has done tons of shows over the years in terms of people's intuition knowing things. Like when she does shows with women who were in domestic violence situations, she'll always ask that question, was there a little whisper, you know, on your wedding day or beforehand? Or was there a little something that you didn't listen to? So I think ultimately before we, quote, unquote, you know, give ourselves over to another in, in any kind of relationship, we do have an inner knowing if we pay attention to it, and the divine is is trying to push us toward the people that really have our highest good in mind as well, which will, you know, ignite and encourage and, you know, push us further into spirit. And, And those people, you know, the divine is constantly giving us messages to stay, 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 this is it, you know, stay with it, you know. And then those that aren't, there's just little kind of whispers that say, "Ooh, that that can't be. That's not. That's not good for me. That's not good for me." So there's a part of me that agrees with you. Oh, is there? Let's talk about that part. (laughs) Let's focus on that part. (laughs) So the part that agrees with you is the part that says, you know, so so often we do have an intuitive hit about something to do or not do, and often we explain it away. Right. You know. Oh, that's silly. Right, that's just silly. Or in the example you were using, you know, I can't call off my wedding now. Right. I mean, you know, and we've been together four years, and, you know, my parents just, Borrow ten thousand dollars <laughs> to pay for this wedding, right. and it's it's going to be just fine. Right. Um, and uh, and so to a certain degree, the intuition is there about well, this is really strange since we you know in the last three months leading up to the wedding, he's been really possessive and jealous, and that wasn't the case. And what if that you know all of that? So 
Yeah, there's a part that says follow your intuition, and then and then the part where I'm not so much in disagreement, but I'm just really aware of it sitting on my other shoulder is that part that I believe in so much that the universe uses everything that happens in our lives to always move us toward our best and highest good. So, you know, you and I both know people who've been in uh, relationships that weren't good for them or been in situations that were dangerous or even life-threatening, not relationship-oriented. And and then 10 years later you realize if they hadn't gone through that, they would not be the teacher they are. Or, you know, Ayanna right. Van Zandt, if she had not gone through all the chaos and continuing a generational pattern of of being abused and, you know, even even Oprah or, yes. you know, you know, things, quote, unquote, bad things that happen in life and then it becomes, you know, your mess becomes your message, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Your right. test becomes your testimony, you know. It's like, okay, so... Did that need to happen in order for them to get there? Was that part of a sacred contract? Yes. Mm-hmm. So that they could uh, blossom or flourish into this teacher, leader, community example? Or did it ha- because it happened, mm-hmm. the universe just found a good use for it, even though that wasn't, quote, unquote, you know, the plan, if there was such a thing. Yeah, and and again, Oprah will say, you know, that, that you, and I'm, this is a 12-step thing too, and you've said it, but the common idea of, you know, we can learn from joy as well as we can learn from pain. Right. And and I do believe that. I do believe that. And I and I do believe my own trauma has certainly given me the ability to connect with other trauma survivors in a way that sort of authenticates, you know, people that are addicts can, can connect with other addicts in a way that people that aren't addicts, you know, usually can't. And so I think kind of it's probably a both and. And and I guess there seems to be a point where, and I've said this a lot on the show, you know, that my spiritual life was so different 20 years ago. Oh, back for the day where, where I had that kind of real, the core of all 12 steps, you know, it's let go and let God. It's admitting that I'm powerless and that my life has become unmanageable, you know, all these things that seem counterintuitive to take control, get a handle, you know, you know, get yourself going, co-create. And when I was living in that sort of, I have no idea what's going to happen, but this is just fun, and it, you know, kind of experience day to day, things did flow. I mean, I have really clear memories of, serendipitous and you know people being placed and and then my experience became my human experience became resistance you know I I started doing some more of the actual quote-unquote trauma work the therapy around it and and I started then I started this hunt then I started this you know fact-finding message and going to all these workshops and trying to figure out and trying to make it make sense and trying to understand it and trying to and I think that just took me away from this sort of innocent blind surrender that now in both spirit form and human form I'm seeing wow that's really it that's really the thing and again you know I mean it's like 
I understand needing to, you know, have a caution, you know, tape on it kind of thing, who I surrender to and how I surrender, but ultimately that surrender comes freedom, comes the ultimate freedom. Man, I don't know, that just feels very deep to me. So I'm I'm having a physical reaction. <laughs> oh, oh, every, that's, that's every, so good. A physical reaction. Like I can feel my wow. inside. Wow. must yeah. be something. Every oh. time you say the person I mm-hmm. choose to surrender to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, so, uh, like, the first time I was like, yeah, whatever. And then the second time I was like, oh, no, there really is a reaction there. <laughs> when you said it just then, it was like, don't do it. Mhm. Mhm. Go ahead. Well, no, I'm just thinking about it. Like, um, so I'm really clear about surrendering to God, whatever that concept, that energetic mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Um, surrendering on the spiritual level. Mhm. And one of the things you said when you use that, you followed it up with a person who has, who is standing in that place seeing the God in me. Right. Um, But see, so I think what it is, now that I'm talking it and talking it out, is I don't see myself as surrendering to the person, Ah. to that individual. So I was thinking about who are people I know who, you know, I know they have my back and, and that they are, you know, kind of like my inner circle, right? Mm-hmm. Or um, it's, or maybe they're not in my inner circle, but they're people who I know, I trust, mm-hmm. um, and I really respect who they are and what they say. So um, if, even if it's about me, mm-hmm. like what they think I should do or not do. Mm-hmm. But I, that's the key. I don't see myself surrendering to them. I see God using them yeah, as okay. the messenger for whatever I'm supposed to be hearing, receiving, thinking about. So I surrender to what I perceive. At, it's not that person. Mm-hmm. That so, but I didn't know that's what I was reacting to. But when you said yeah. the person I choose to surrender to, it's like no, I'm not surrendering. Yeah. That's why. That's where we get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Right. Surrendering our desires, our knowing, our spiritual practice to what someone else is doing or telling us they want us to do. But if my, you know, if my friend Kim King. If you know we're talking about like what I'm doing or whatever, or what I'm planning to do over the next three months, and if she takes a deep breath and says, "Well, are you open to some feedback about mm-hmm. that?" Mm-hmm. Number one, just her asking that question is going to make me take a deep breath. Number two, the answer is always yes, nice because of the right. relationship that right. we have. Right. And as she's talking, I'm. Really, I can tell the difference between Kim wisdom and God wisdom uh, through Kim. Right, right, right. Like, like, well, no, Kim Kim opinion. Kim opinion, human Kim. And God's wisdom coming Mm -hmm. through Kim. Because often if it sounds like 
well, it can sound like advice. Advice in itself isn't bad. But, yeah, if it sounds judgmental right. if it's versus an opportunity or a broader way to look at it, and maybe a safety piece, mm-hmm. spiritual, emotional, mental, or physical safety, um, you know, I'm probably more likely to hear it, but if it's the judgmental and, and, and yeah, if it's I think you should do mm-hmm. versus... You know, here's in some other options. Some of that's communication, but some of it is really knowing that that person mm-hmm. is coming from a bigger place. Right. Versus, I'll be more comfortable if you do it this way. And you bring up a good point that there there is, and and one good thing, all of my years of the hunt and you know the spiritual practice and all of that, I do. I do believe there has to be some sort of inner inner guide that that has to be nurtured and has to have time spent with, and that that becomes my um, what is that thing that you use to find water? You know how you have that old fashioned like it looks like a wishbone, and it it's a tuning rod or something that moves you in the right direction towards the water. And, you know, my inner tuning fork um, will guide me if I let it. But I do think this whole human experience, there, the divine design just has to include using us for each other. And, um, and if I do my due diligence with my own spiritual program, I'm going to absolutely know those, and as you said, even those people that are divinely designed to be in my life, there will still be that human element of them, that fear, that anxiety, or their past, whatever it is that comes up that sometimes will be guide, you know, will be offering up ideas or solutions from that human, their own human fear side. And yes, if I've done my due diligence in my own spiritual life, I'm going to be able to sense the difference. And, you know, if they say, go jump off that cliff, I'm going to know, oh, that's not probably a good idea. But, you know, if they say, why don't you step in this direction, you know, then I'm going to sense, oh, yeah, that's right. And even as I say that, though, you know, I do, I come back to the opposite of it, that, you know, if God or, you know, if I if I have lucky enough to have that sort of beloved experience that really does know my highest good sometimes when I don't know it, you know, if somebody says jump off that cliff, isn't that the moment that, you know, I learn that I I can fly, you know, metaphorically? And why does uh, the Goliath story keep coming to my mind in the Bible? Who was the guy that went in and, and, and killed the guy with the slingshot? Wasn't that somebody in the Goliath? Something in... Daniel and Goliath. <laughs> Daniel and Goliath. Why is that coming to mind? That's what I want to know. That's why I'm looking but, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for pointing out that look. I didn't have to say it, but uh, but is is the story? Am I correct in saying that there's Daniel was sort of a little guy and he had a slingshot and he had to go into the arena and he, he had the Goliath kind of thing was this big scary thing and he overcame it with a slingshot. Is that the gist of it? Oh, things of all 
knowledge of all and, and ancient stories. Is that kind of the gist of it? Yes. Okay. And not Daniel, David. David. Oh, you got the okay. You got the D right. But um, David and Goliath. So it's like Daniel and Goliath. That does not sound right. And Daniel. I'm thinking. I'm seeing Daniel in the Bible story. It's like that was not Goliath. David and Goliath. David. Little David. Little David. And big Goliath. And I think in some ways, when I think about you know jump off this cliff. You know, David, little David, you know, that was him jumping off a cliff. He went into the arena with a slingshot. He surrendered. I have no idea what's about to happen. Here's this big thing. But I'm taking that next step in. And look what happened for him. I, I doubt he had that image that that was how that was going to end. He might have. But he had to surrender whatever he, you know, he, he didn't have any kind of game plan, I, don't, I doubt. And he surrendered, and then something, and she's laughing at me now because I'm not laughing. So there's no laughing with me. But uh, but he, I, I perceive that as a symbol of surrender. David had a game plan, and David Did had an image, and David had an intention. Oh, well, and so David's my, in, my story is better for me. The literal story, I mean, so but from a metaphysical, let it go for from a, meta- a metaphysical oh, perspective. Uh-huh. That's why I'm smiling. It's like, darn it, I wish I didn't love the metaphysical perspective and I could so, just read the story the way I did when I was, you know, eight years old. So But could the spiritual message be what you learned at eight years old? That you surrender, that you let go and you step in and see what oh, happens. Well, no, God's got did, your back. David did that. He let go and allowed the spirit of God to execute on the intention. Yes. So the king at the time you know, Goliath, again, metaphysical interpretation of the story, Goliath could be anything in your life that's really huge. Big and scary. That, right. And other people haven't been able to do it. You don't really have a model, but you just know it's yours to do. But in the metaphysical interpretation of the story, um, the king wanted everybody wanted Goliath killed and and no everybody who tried to kill Goliath was killed by Goliath right mm. and so all of these men had not been successful and the king had a daughter mm. and he offered his daughter as the prize like whoever killed Goliath could mm. marry his daughter. Mm. So all the young single men from all over the land, you know, and there were strategies and oh, there were groups and, and none of these people could And they were going to get that little prize, okay. Goliath and, uh, to save their land, I mean, to save their their country, their, you know, whatever, their world. And um, and so, not so much that it was like a Samson and Delilah story, not so much that the only reason that David wanted to kill Goliath <laughs> yeah, the human. was for the, it wasn't only that, but, you know, you save your land and you marry the princess. Mm. And, you know, and David ended up becoming the king of the land and all of that. And it, clearly it was his path because he made a really good leader and all of that. But he set an intention. I don't know how. He surrendered. I don't know how. Mm-hmm. All I have is a slingshot, and I'm an expert with the slingshot. But that's all I have. So, yeah, it's kind of like that. I surrendered to God that God is going to help make this happen. 
and and then hitting, you know, using the slingshot and hitting it right at that exact place that would make Goliath fall to the ground worked, and David didn't necessarily know how to do that. He just knew he knew how to use his slingshot. And that is a great, see, that's what came to mind, because that's a great um, story about the both and. And it's very much a both and for me. Yes, you I know, agree. Th- that I have to do my part, exactly. but then there has to be this surrendering piece. And yes. I think what I've I'm done. I'm not just doing it right, myself. Right. I don't have all the right. power. But right. I do have the tools, resources, and talents that I have. And so I use what I have, and I surrender to the bigger. Uh, here, here you go. Do a little science mind therapy on me. So, um, so really having embraced this new thought idea for the last few years, you know, of course, the initial thing, you know, I embrace something and I get all excited about it, and it's the thing, and then I, you know, punch all the holes in it and find out why it's wrong and, you know, kind of have to say, oh, well, there you go. Sorry for trying that. didn't work. Um but there, there is something about I got, I, I, I have seen myself get in this hypervigilance of, okay, I'm co-creating. Okay, I've got to watch my thoughts. Okay, I've got to always be in this position. And then, oh, my God, I have to create this mental equivalent. I have to somehow believe this stuff and be available to it. Or if I don't have the mental equivalent for it, then it's not going to come. And then it's my fault. And then, you know, it's failed. And there you go. You know, that's, and, and, you know, I'm, uh, I, did you see that movie, The Leap of Faith? I don't think so. It was a really powerful movie. I would encourage everyone to see Leap of Faith. It had Steve Martin in it, and it was about a televangelist, but back in the day before there were televangelists, but he went around in tents, and he he basically um, manipulated people out of their money, and he would, you know, plant people in the wheelchairs and then, you know, have them come up, and then they would be able to walk after he you know, touched them on the head, and, you know, it was all a manipulation, and it was very creatively done, and then in the story, there was this young boy who really was crippled, and the uh, young boy really believed the show, and he was going to come up to be healed, and uh, Steve Martin stopped the show, because he knew that this little kid had this innocent, pure faith, and that, you know, there was no way in hell he could cure him, and so he stopped the show. And there was a sheriff that was trying to, he knew it was a scam and he was taking money from the people. And so he tried to, you know, run this guy out of town. And when the show started again the next night, Steve Martin made the comment, if there's one person who's not a believer, if I try to heal this young boy and there's one person who's not a believer, it's going to be their fault, basically, that I can't heal him. So he was trying to, you know, hedge his bet and say, okay, it's the sheriff. You don't believe in me. So you're going to be the reason this young boy can't be healed. And I, you know, know I can't heal this boy, so nothing's going to happen. But now I have my out, you know. And he touched the boy, and the boy was healed or something immediately. And, and, and the idea being, of course, it was the boy's face that healed him, right? Right. And, and it wasn't something that was created. It was within him all the time. And so that there's this line of, and, and I think I've gotten caught up in this sort of new thought thinking that that there's always something that I need to be doing or, you know, if it's not working, it's because I'm not doing it right. Um, you know, there's some flaw in what how I'm working it. And, you know, I'm full of 
self-doubt and, you know, things aren't going to quite work and, you know, this how could I ever get a mental equivalent of good because, you know, I hate myself. You know, how is that ever going to happen? Not going to happen. But can I just have this belief and then can the belief itself, if I really surrender and not try to co-create or not try to pray the right way or not try to do a treatment or not try, but just fall back and trust that if I just give up, that therein lies the miracle. That was a long story, wasn't it? And not even really made sense, but I felt something. (laughs) That's all that really matters, isn't it? So... As long as one considers co-creation the doingness, it makes it work, and it makes it strong, <laughs> and it makes it yeah, full of toil. toil. When you consider co-creation as your way of being, then it's a whole different thing. So in Shortcut to a Miracle, the authors talk about the law of co-creation. And they say the law of co-creation is... mm, Consciousness manifests and dominant thoughts prevail. So consciousness manifests and dominant thoughts prevails. And so... It's not so much the doing list of I have to write affirmations and do them 70 times a day. I have to uh, go find a mental equivalent and dust it off. And you know, it's not the doing piece. Even though the reason we do those things, we're doing them to shift our consciousness. We're not doing them to negotiate with God. We're doing them to shift our own consciousness so that. Our consciousness, consciousness manifests what we truly believe manifests, whether we do anything about it or not. And our dominant thoughts prevail. So if our dominant thoughts are things that are in alignment with the wholeness and the oneness, that's what's going to prevail in our life. So what you're saying is just kind of give up Mm -hmm. and don't do anything you precede it with this idea that if I truly believe Mm -hmm. that God is working in my life, Mm -hmm. then that's your dominant thought and that's your consciousness, and that's why it prevails. So what it sounds like is the putting all these tasks Mm -hmm. in place, it's like, well, if I don't do these tasks, then it's not going to happen for me. It's not the tasks anyway. The only reason you do the tasks is to create the consciousness. So if you're standing in that consciousness, that's why, that's why everything just happens in synchronicity. And I do think I do agree with you on the point that sometimes, especially in in New Thought, where the focus is on that kingdom to consciousness and taking responsibility for your life, it's easy for us from our human side to say, oh, well, I learned this and I learned this and I need to do these things. If we're not careful, it's easy to slip into thinking it's doing those things that have the power. 
Mm-hmm. Doing those things are simply mm-hmm. enriching our consciousness because our consciousness is what's connected to God, and that's what has the power. There you go. There you go. And that and that is right. The, the things, but there seems to me in any kind of form of religion, there seems to be sort of I have the you know I have the mechanism, and here's the mechanism, and I guess. I have gotten lost in the mechanism. Right. And the mechanism and, and, is all, it's and, really supposed to be mm-hmm. a tool for you versus you a victim or an outcome of the mechanism. Or really what I've used it for is just, you know, I've been able to blame the mechanism. Well, I, you know, <laughs> I've done this and it didn't see the damn mechanism is wrong. <laughs> Or that Which mechanism, I like. Or you know, that it's mechanism, never my fault. It doesn't work for me. It's never my right. fault. Right. It may work for somebody else, <laughs> yeah. but it doesn't work I for am me. I'm the exception. Special. That's it. Everything. <laughs> I am the exception uh-huh. to, yeah. And, and so it, it sort of is a both and. It is a both and. And I think I get that. And I, 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 I really have always, you know, in back, I can remember when I went to Al-Anon, you know, my sponsor would say, okay, well, Yes, Leslie, let go and let God, but you still must shower. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, you have to do these things that, you know, you have to get in the arena with Goliath. you are in a human form, and you are living a physical life, and there are some things. But, you know, I love this, this conversation because it is so often what happens to so many people that they get this list of things that they're quote-unquote supposed to do, right, whether it's spiritual practice or whether it's, you know, just how you behave, whatever. They get in their mind, I'm supposed to do these things. And then if transformation doesn't occur in the way they expected it to occur Mm -hmm. or look like the way they expected it to look, then all of a sudden... Everything is their own fault. It's like it's new thought guilt. Mm-hmm. So you know, yes, you either blame the mechanism or you or you blame yourself, mm-hmm. and then you have this new thought guilt that builds into new thought shame. I must not be good enough, or I must not be doing things right. And it's like, no, that's not it at all. And it's it's really how I was. Um, talking to someone yesterday, and they actually did use the should word, <laughs> you know, well, I know I should be doing this and I should be doing that, and probably if I did this, you know, I'd see more progress faster. And guided totally by intuition, because this is somebody I, I don't know well, I asked a question that was something like, so tell me why you should be doing these things. And so they, you know, they had all these logical reasons why mm-hmm. they should do A and B and C. And I said, so tell me about what spiritual practices ever in your entire life have ever felt good to you or worked for worked. you. Mm-hmm. And they described two things mm-hmm. that were completely different than this list of three shoulds. Love it. And so I said, you know what? These three things are just about creating some structure that's related to spiritual practice that helps you 
remind yourself that you are always connected to spirit, always, and spirit's got your back. So can we take these, the things you're trying to accomplish with these three, but then use these two spiritual practices that you actually love? Mm-hmm. And in 15 minutes, we basically transformed. We did what, what I, I lovingly and jokingly call a spiritual practices makeover mm. and created a, a different, like, use these two things that you already mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, I can't do that because, like, you know, so-and-so gave a talk about this <laughs> and how important Gosh, it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, it is important, but it's, it's not working for you. It doesn't make you feel closer to God. You don't have to force yourself. Now, if you want to learn to do that mm-hmm. and develop and it, it for you, and it feels and it gets good, exciting. Right. Yes. But that doesn't mean you have to abandon what works mm-hmm. for you that resonates with you because that's the energy you want to be in when you're doing spiritual practice. Now, when I first learned meditation, was it easy, uncomfortable, and did it resonate? No. So I learned to do it, but it wasn't the only thing I did. And now I love meditation. But probably the first two years, it was I'm learning about meditation. It was not my go-to spiritual practice. And where is that church that says, okay, here's a billion different ways this can occur, Let's try all billion, and which one works for you? You know, one of the things that I think I love about working in the jail is every Wednesday we have this thing that I call Dive Deep, and I created, um, you know, there's probably 50 different really core tools that people can try, you know, different psychological, quote-unquote, tricks, spiritual, quote-unquote, tricks, you know, things, practices, tools in your tool belt, I'll call it. And so each Wednesday I'll introduce a different tool, and they'll practice that tool for the week. And my message is always is, man, you're going to be here for X number of weeks, you're going to get X number of tools, and you're going to be, how exciting if one or two work. And those are the one or two that you want to buy into. And to get this idea that there is just not a universal tool, you know, all paths lead to God. Well, everybody says that, but then everybody says, but here's our path, and if you come here, we will teach you this path. Well, it all leads to it, but it might not be my path. I mean, my path is my path, and my path might be a piece of this and a piece of that, and 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 sort of being encouraged to do that. And what, as you were talking, I thought, you know, my two things, if I do meditation and I write my spiritual teacher every day, that's it. I'm in the jet stream. That's all I have to do. How often do I do that? Not very often. I mean, you know, how screwed up is that? I mean, it takes less than five minutes, because I'm talking a minute of meditation and a two-minute email. Sincerely, at this point in my life, and, you know, I do give myself credit for 30 years of, you know, trying daily to do different things. So I do think, you know, there's some value to that, that I've added up spiritual bank, so to speak. So, But seriously, at this point in my life, if I do those two things that literally take less than five minutes in human time, I am in the gesture, period. And isn't it fascinating to but just watch do it. me not do it every day? And so it's, it's, it's such a conundrum. But, but I'm really... I think the idea of surrender for me now in terms of there is sort of still a little little trick pocket that says, oh, well, that can't just be it, you know. But if I just surrender surrender and do those two things and surrender and let the rest of it go, you know, the gesturing happens. And I 
I had this, and I keep coming back to the daddy God concept. I don't know why that keeps coming back, but I really, uh, my spiritual teacher told me about several months ago about this concept of a frog, fully rely on God, frog. And the day she told me that concept, I went to the Thompson I always go to, and they had this big bin of stuffed animals. They had this huge, like, two-foot stuffed frog. Imagine the uh, possibilities of that. So I bought it. So I have this two-foot stuffed frog in my car. And those of you who know my car, it's a bit of a danger zone. It's got a few things in it. And so for the first few months, I had it sitting on the front seat, and I would oh, look at my say, frog, I'm and I would you enjoy driving, and mm-hmm. this frog sitting in the passenger yeah, seat. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was very good. We have a good relationship. And then suddenly the frog got in the back seat, and there's just so much in the back seat, it kind of got lost. And um, day before yesterday, two to two or three days ago, I saw like the frog's leg underneath some cat food and a few boxes and different things. And I thought, oh, and I, I was feeling like, you know, sort of emotional and, and sort of with some 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 work distress. And, and I pulled that frog out and I hugged that frog and I said, God, you can take care of this. You can do something. I have no idea. I am David. I don't know. But you can do something. And there was an energetic warming that came from hugging that frog and me surrendering all of my best ideas. And to me, you know, science of mind say that, you know, the, the, the love and, you know, law, you know, there's the pillar of love and then there's the pillar of law. And I think I've gotten very lost in the pillar of law and I've given up this sort of natural intuition that I have always had of just falling into the love. And something that happens, whether I'm falling into the love of God, whether I'm falling into the love of a beloved, you know, there is magic in that. And and that little frog, I was very happy after I hugged my frog. I felt good. I felt good. And I feel like that, that it, you know, you're supposed to feel good. God, Daddy in the sky, you know, there is this, so there is this force working for my good. The deck of cards is stacked in my favor. If I, you know, there, there is literally, I don't have to co-create that. That exists. And I just have to trust it. Exactly. And so, yes, this has been um, <laughs> a week of magic and yes. daddy in the sky. And like, really? What is so going on Daddy in you? the sky. Hmm. Uh, I hope not. <laughs> So you rather go in the sky? No, no, we could do without either of that. Love in the sky. I want it right here on Earth <laughs> in in physical real time form. So, um, anything else about surrender? Surrender. Well, this concept you said in the beginning that I like that it really does take a lot of courage. To let go and really, you know, and, and the jail is actually full of stories and of women who at that moment that they really do kind of let go of what's going to happen to me, what, you know, when am I going to get to court, when am I going to, you know, what will be my sentence, that there is, there's a lot of uh, mystical stories of women who literally surrender. It's a big difference between, you know, oh man, I'm going to, you know, read my spiritual book and you know I'm gonna I, I accept whatever happens and then you know they don't get called to court and they're like you know you know they're so angry after that but if you really when, they, when they're in it's 
64 women in a pod, maybe it happens, you know, twice a month. But but in those experiences where I have seen people literally surrender and say, you know, so be it. If I have to be here forever, you know, my kids are in a safe place and I'm going to be, you know, I'm fine, my daily needs are met and this is going to work out and I'm okay and they surrender and it's an authentic surrendering, yeah. those people are out of jail quickly or they have resolution and they get off to their sentence and they're, you know, there's really something, there is something to this concept of really letting go and letting God. Every time when it authentically occurs, when I can authentically do it, that word magic keeps coming to work, mind. Because we can't define it in human terms. Whatever happens has happened outside of my ability to understand or create or know. It seems mystical and magical and miraculous. So is our next show going to be on magic, magic. miracles, or <laughs> I kind of like that mystery magic. What did you say? Mystical, magical, miracle, or oraculous. That's too long for a show title. Mm-hmm. So is it going to be magic or miracles? <laughs> I like magic. I like mystic, mystical. Okay, so. Well, there you go. So that's about all the time we have for today's talk and conversation around surrender, but it is perfectly leading into our next conversation about the magic that happens. So it will be surrender part two. <laughs> when you they surrender, all connect. what is They the all magic? connect. They all connect. That's right. So, um, so we're going to close out for today. And uh, in the meantime, remember to say hey, yes. I don't mean to be so uptight, but my heart's been hurt a couple times by a couple guys that didn't treat me right. I ain't gonna lie, I ain't gonna lie. Alexa, play meant to be. Okay. He was meant to be, it'll be, it'll be, baby, just let it be. He was meant to be. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.